Hey guys, Adam here. So this is actually episode 24, but due to some scheduling conflicts, we recorded the intro when we thought it was episode 23. So sorry for any confusion, but just wanted to put that out there. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Grow Like a Pro. Some would say the LeBron James of podcast episodes. Oh man. Or the Michael Jordan or the Joe Hayden. Who are those people? <laughs> I think they play tennis or hockey or something. Are they I'm, swimmers? Yes, exactly. So you should know them because you're a professional swimmer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Your My, ring's all about swimming, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I've got a image of a butterfly. Show it to the fans. Butterfly was my favorite sport in swimming. So I was not a professional swimmer. I was only like top 70, top 100 in the country. Ooh, so that's yeah. it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Still pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah, my brothers are, um, my brother Josh competed at, I think, three Olympic trials. And then my youngest brother, Justin, is on track to go to his first Olympic trial. Nice. So, yeah, pretty excited about Have that. Have you ever thought about doing like coaching, like swim coaching? Because I've always wanted to do that for football. I think it'd be so much fun. It, so, I've been approached by a few um, clubs, USA Swimming and even YMCA teams, to do coaching, but it's so much of an investment for me to do it because I would want to do it really well. And right now with everything going on, I just, I don't have the ability to carve out the time to do that. Cloning is the answer. I need to do that. Yeah, I need to have a clone. That would help so much. Well, we'll spend another podcast talking about that. But this week we have an awesome guest named Sean Beeson, who is a... Yeah, Sean's awesome. I mean, it's, he's, his, his career is so incredible in what he's done and the people he's worked with. And he's a composer. So he's, he's created some incredible music for all different kinds of mediums from video games to movies, to television worked with, I mean, he currently works with Google and does yeah. all this kind of stuff and he wasn't allowed to say, but maybe Google stadia. I yeah, don't know. I, I don't think know. He might Sean, have. what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have, we, there's, there's nothing to confirm nor deny, but yeah. it's, uh, uh, well, if you also are a fan of like uh, relaxation music on YouTube, which I know I am, I love it. Um, I've listened to Sean's uh, like com- compositions on there, and I didn't even realize it. Like yeah. I went back and oh, looked. Yeah. And I'm like, I did. I, I mean, have yeah, listened to. It. <laughs> I mean, millions and millions of views yeah. this guy has. So you've probably heard he's some so of his music. And uh, yeah, I've, if if it does end up that he is working on Google Stadia, we're definitely gonna have to have him back yes. to talk about that. What he can talk about because for those sure. unfamiliar, it's the new. Game, like game streaming service from Google and Sean in the past has done a lot of work for you know some sound design and other things with some Google products and some other things so mm-hmm. literally revolutionary exactly so we're not saying anything because we have no idea but we're yep. just saying it would be pretty <laughs> cool Sean so <laughs> but no it's uh he's had such a cool story and he's you know really carved a really interesting place for himself where he's able to do what he loves while able to, to still spend time with family and focus on what's important yep. and he has his own studio where he lives out he said he has like a little you know cabin in the woods type thing where he's, yeah. he has his own little area where he's able to just make it. magic happen yeah so really awesome. no and he's such a such a good guy and we've worked together in the past on a lot of events and i th- really think you're going to enjoy this episode Yep, and, uh, sure. you know, before we cut to the interview, we want to remind people, if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to send your questions, your topics, comments, anything, please send it to hello at growlikeaproshow.com. Once again, that is hello at growlikeaproshow.com. And without further ado, here is Sean Beeson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Grow Like a Pro. I have Jason to my left as always, but we got a special guest here today. The wonderful, amazing, unbelievable... Sean Beeson. Ah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I know. Yeah, we, I know. We've been talking about this, going back and forth, and happy to have you in the studio. Um, when you know, just to kind of get started, what's a little background about Sean? What what makes you so awesome? Yes. Yeah, so 
I am a composer and sound designer. So I write music primarily for multimedia. So that's basically anything that uh, moves or is entertaining. Uh, so games and film, uh, documentaries, trailers, jingles, uh, and I even do some concert works as well. So it's not just limited to uh, audiovisual stuff. Uh, and I'm a sound designer as well. So I've worked with hundreds of clients all over the world, uh, making original music and original sounds and jingles and all that great stuff. That's so cool. Very exciting. Yeah, Sean and I, we've actually worked together on GDEX, which is a huge, you know, gaming convention, developer convention in Columbus, Ohio. That's it's in, in its seventh year this year, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we kind of got connected. And it just when, you know, Jason and I were talking about guests and certain people, Sean was on one of the top of the list because, yeah, you've just done some awesome stuff in your career and you're a great guy. And it's just we're very happy that you decided to join us today. So thank you. Yeah. Any <laughs> any excuse to get out of the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Away from the studio. I I know, I know. Sure. We, we were talking earlier that you had some internet issues today because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I have to point a little satellite dish at a, at a grain bin because they're the <laughs> highest, you know, geographically speaking, they're the tallest things. Yeah. yeah. And so my internet comes from a, uh, a city that's like 15 miles away, wow. but it's through this all of these strings of connected <laughs> uh, dishes pointed at each other. Oh, and so when one down down the way goes out, uh, <laughs> big trouble. <laughs> yeah, I have I have all my friends and family being like, "Is your internet working?" No, no, not really. It's it's down for everyone on the seventh leg. So wow. And and you know, in my line of work, um, I'll go weeks sometimes without even talking to a client on the phone. Oh or yeah. Months without even visually interacting with one in person. So I do everything online. So when the internet goes out. Uh, it's very stressful, but it worked well today because I have no internet at home. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. Perfect timing. No, Down, perfect downloading timing. all the stuff that I need right here yeah, in I, the studio today. I know because, you know, in Columbus, we've, we've had like 60 mile power winds and stuff. Like I heard a lot of people losing power and mm -hmm. I was actually I um, arrived from Las Vegas today on the red eye, got in at like seven o'clock a.m. And there were like no Ubers at the airport. Because last night there was like crazy surge pricing because all these flights got delayed. So there was oh. like a ton of people. So all these Uber drivers were driving till like two in the morning. And they said they were like driving around. There was like some roofs that were getting blown off buildings and all this crazy stuff. It was like madness. Wow, that's ridiculous. Yeah, what I know. I know. It was really weird. I was like wondering because, you know, I, the an Uber ride is usually like. I don't know, 20 bucks to get to my house. And it was like almost 40 wow. this morning. What? Like, what is happening? <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah, Supply and pricing. demand. Yeah. Surge pricing is a scary thing. When I was in California a few weeks back, it was the same deal with the flooding oh, and yeah. the rain. Yeah, right. And normally it's like 40 bucks to get from San Francisco to Mountain View. Yeah. It was going to be $352. Whoa. Oh so I'm like, you know, God. I'm just going to stay at the office yeah, until 10 p.m. That's and, crazy. Uh, just take the, the cheap the cheap ride home so. yeah that, that's oh. crazy yeah no jason and i we were obviously just in san francisco and la and yeah we started because we had scheduled some meetings and yeah it took a long time to get down to the to mountain well if you can't uber the other option is a caltrain yeah. so but i think there wasn't we, one early enough yeah when we tried to do it, it was not early enough so but yeah but no that's that enough about surge pricing and stuff i want to get back to good old sean so why don't you kind of take us back to have you always kind of had this this ear for music has that always kind of been the dream and stuff or what where did that this whole idea come from for you yeah i ever since i was young i wanted to get into music and now i'm gonna be 34 this year and so I, most of my life i remember being in music yeah and mm -hmm. it kind of started when i was 
under 10, it's starting to get fuzzy as I'm getting older. I think <laughs> I was probably like seven or eight, and I got a, a keyboard, a synthesizer. Yeah. And prior to that point, I had played dr- uh, snare drum, and I had always dabbled on uh, on a piano. Do you come from a musical family? Uh, a musically appreciative family, yeah. right? Huh, yeah, like good. I don't have any immediate family members that were, you know, concert pianists, right. but they have always been into uh, into singing and into mm-hmm. music and very supportive of that. And and I got the synthesizer, and I just loved it. And it, I knew that I wanted to do more of that, and so I kind of bought uh, bigger keyboards and started to take piano lessons and started to write music when I was 11 years old. Just most of it was dabbling in taking other songs and changing them just a little bit. I mean, to call them originals isn't really fair because it was like ripping off Beach Boys. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And, um, <laughs> They're what they're what some people would call compositional uh, experiences, because mm-hmm. to call it real a real composition uh, is difficult because it's not like I even knew what I was doing, but I was actually doing some form of, of yeah, composing. Of course, yeah. and so you know, clear back at eleven, I was doing that, and uh, I decided I wanted to take some college courses on MIDI, which is um, kind of a digital. It's hard to explain without getting too nerdy. It's like a digital, uh, a digital music file, um, and I took some classes on MIDI and kind of really got entrenched in it and recorded an album of music at a at a studio when I was fourteen years old, nice. fourteen and fifteen. And instead of putting money that I had saved up towards a car, I got a Clavinova. And so uh, yeah, I've been uh, writing music and. I attended Capital University in Columbus uh, mm-hmm. to get a degree in music composition, and I've just been writing music ever since then. From That's awesome. Even through college, I started working professionally with clients that uh, I still have to this day. Um, so, so, yeah. Sean, some of your clients are really, really big or- organizations, really well-known organizations. How did you make that leap from, you know, starting teaching yourself how to do that kind of work to getting these big-name clients? Yeah, it starts off small, like everything, right? Like, mm-hmm. I had to grow into being a pro. Hey. Like, hey. <laughs> I see this what guy. you did there. <laughs> and that's really what it was, is that, um, and I think of even that first client that paid me, He's introduced me to probably there's and who was that client if you can say Luke Bernard. So he's uh, a independent developer, um, mm-hmm. and he introduced me to I would say probably through various connections a third of the people that I've worked with. Yeah, mm-hmm. are and what like, are some of the big names for people who may not be familiar with your work? Um, yeah, so I do a lot of work for Google. Um, I've helped design some of the sounds for their hardware and have designed a lot of uh, sounds and musical jingles for some of their applications for AR and VR. Nice. Um, one of one of the bigger ones is uh, the Pixel 2 and 3. I have some sounds that are on on the phones. Hey. Um, <laughs> Tilt Brush is another very popular uh, application that Google has, which is a VR painting yeah, right. uh, yeah. program. That stuff is awesome. And then I've just done uh, lots of ga- things in the game industry. So I wrote music for uh, Epic Mickey 2 Power of Illusion, which was kind of neat because I grew up with uh, Mickey Mouse in the Castle of Illusion on Sega Genesis, yeah, right, which yeah. was one of my favorite games <laughs> and mm-hmm. one of my favorite soundtracks. And 
I actually got introduced to that client because of Luke. Wow. And so because I worked with this particular company to write that music, which was awesome because it was a spiritual sequel to the original. Of course. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people heard my Disney-esque music, and I got hired to do a lot of um, Disney advertisements um, through other composers and through uh, other advertising agencies to do music that was in that vein of... Uh, you know, magical mm -hmm. family adventure, lighthearted family adventure scoring. Yeah, that's um, so cool. Yeah, so yeah, the list just goes on and on, and uh, I've had lots of lots of luck releasing piano relaxation music on YouTube. Oh yeah, those with, are those are huge. Those are like some of my favorite yeah, for uh, sure. uh, YouTube videos to watch. Actually, <laughs> I wonder if you've listened to any. I those was going to say I, I wouldn't. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> At one point, when you would Google piano music. I was either number one or number two in the nice. Google search results. Wow. And that's all through a company that's actually, I think they're from Pickerington, Columbus, you know, whatever, Columbus. Yeah, right. It's all the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're from Columbus, and we I met them the end of my freshman year in college, and they were still producing CDs at that point because iTunes hadn't really become what it was at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Streaming yeah. was not even a thing. Um, and so... I cut an album with them, and we're like, yeah, I'm going to sell CDs. And <laughs> iTunes is like, I don't think so. <laughs> Not so fast. And so, you know, I think it did okay, but it, it was not really the hit as a physical sale that I think yeah. we had hoped that it would be. Right, right. But then they're like, yeah, we're just going to put this on this place here. The next thing you know, they're like, hey, we've got like 10 million views oh on this. God. Maybe we should put ads on it. I'm like, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. probably a good idea. And so now, you know, I think, I don't know, I haven't even looked. It might be up to 90, maybe 100 million views, wow. 150,000 subscribers. That's crazy. And uh, How that, many of them do you have out there? Videos? Yeah. I don't even know. But it's hours and hours and hours yeah, that's of music. Awesome. Um, and I think that really goes back to what I was interested in music, playing on the piano, even when mm. I was, in, was 11 years old. Yeah was not doing, you know, I was not writing like concertos or etudes. Mm -hmm. I was writing stuff that for me uh, felt very emotional and kind of connected to giving me some kind of like peace. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, that translates really good to relaxation yeah. music. And, and uh, yeah, so on one hand, I'm doing Google ringtones and I'm doing sounds for slot machines, <laughs> and I'm doing scores for, for films and trailers and amusement park rides, but then, you know, on the other hand, I'm doing relaxation music, yeah. and nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> That's, so cool. That's kind of the fun of it, though. You, yeah. you got your hands and all this kind of stuff. It's it probably keeps it pretty exciting, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Have um, you uh, done any, has any of your music been included in, like, those meditation apps uh, that are, like, becoming very popular? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen, I see those all the time now. Probably inadvertently. Mm -hmm. You know, I, the thing of having your music be first when you Google piano music or when yeah. you would search on YouTube piano music is that your stuff ends up illegally yes. in a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. and I even had some music that ended up in uh, a very, very major YouTubers. Very major. One of the biggest. Not going to say <laughs> his name. <laughs> now, uh, it, it was some of my music ended up in one of PewDiePie's videos. Yeah. And uh, inadvertently, like he didn't put it in, an editor did. And, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, obviously we filed a copyright strike, which was a terrible idea 
because we we brought the uh, bro army <laughs> yeah, upon us. I was about to say, <laughs> and you know, but we we did talk to Felix, and we just said like, look, just we don't care, just put a link to the, yeah, the channels. Yeah, pretty yeah. simple. And he just said, yeah. well, it was an accident because they just you search piano music and yeah, it gets used, and you know, I think I've everybody's done that where they're just like, I'm gonna look up a cat picture. Oh, mm-hmm. here's the first thing that comes up. I'm gonna put yeah, it exactly. in, put it in something, and. Uh, without thinking that that needs to be attributed of to course. the original author. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially That's how right. easy Google imaging is and this stuff. Yeah, it's so easy yeah. to just copy and paste and be like, maybe, oh, yeah, I forgot somebody actually created this thing. And this was like, you know, <laughs> five years ago. So it was even before there has been all this attention now oh, given yeah. to yeah. copyright strikes. And yeah. Right, right. That's right. And how, like, how often do you deal with that stuff? Is that, you know, a constant problem? Or is that, is that you know, not, not as much as people may think? Or what, how often is that kind of brought up in your daily life uh people taking taking our my music is is with the piano music very common yeah yeah um at a certain point you you just can't chase them all yeah you know, for there's sure. a channel they might use the music and even pass it off as their own yeah they'll have twenty thousand views they're having ads on it you know i've reported it it doesn't get taken down yeah yeah wow. and then there's other cases where people will file strikes against me saying i took their music <laughs> and it's like but this piece I wrote in 2008, <laughs> yours is from 2012. Something does not seem right here. Mine is piano, yours is death metal. <laughs> so uh, we've had that happen a handful of times, oh, and That's there is so a little funny. bit of that um, exploitation, right? Yeah. Where yeah. the it's kind of terrible that we have to provide evidence that we didn't steal yeah. their music <laughs> exactly. instead of them providing evidence that I stole their music. Right. That's crazy. Um, but I think those are all kinks that will hope, hopefully <laughs> yeah, get worked out, hopefully. need to be worked out yeah. if the viability of a platform right. like YouTube yep. is going to continue to Yeah, it's so crazy with a platform like YouTube with how the millions and millions and millions of listeners every day. I mean, it's like, yeah, how do you police this stuff at a certain point? It's crazy, man. It's hundreds of hours yeah, every minute. Exactly, right. right. Yeah, you can't. Uh, you can't. And I think it's really hard to give. It's really easy to give them a hard time, right? But uh, it just is inhumanly possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's 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 madness. But <laughs> no, it's just it's it's a funny thing to hear that. But you know, I, I want to jump back a little bit to kind of when you were starting up. And a question we love to ask people is: Did you have any you know like mentors or people that you really kind of looked up to that kind of helped you on this journey and kind of shape you know the path that you kind of took? Yes, yes, and and no. I think I had a lot of people that were strong encouragers. Yeah, right. That um, they didn't always necessarily know what advice to give, but the advice that they gave was to not stop, to yeah. not give up. Right. Which is what I really what I needed to hear. And so when I got involved in building, first building my business, this was uh, two thousand three, two thousand four. So if you had your own website, that was, you know, that was kind of, I don't want to say cutting edge, but that was kind of a newer thing. Right. Especially if you had videos or audio, you know, anything with multimedia, mm-hmm. it was uh, a bit more cutting edge. Um, and so often I would ask for advice about how to find work or what to do. And no one had concrete answers, but uh, I just really exploited the power of the internet. Yeah. And I think on the other hand, I had just as many people that were naysayers, uh, people that say, you know, your music's not good enough, you can't do this, people that say you should just uh, stay at home and do it do it in the basement or do it from the garage, you <laughs> yeah, don't need a degree fun. in music. Right. 
And at the time, I was like, oh. <laughs> I know, but looking tough, back man. now, I'm like, no, that was great advice. Yeah. You, you didn't maybe deliver it in the best <laughs> way, but your advice was was great um, to say that like some sometimes you need a degree. Sometimes you don't need the degree. The training that you get while getting your degree and the tools that you learn is really what's so important. And especially in my line of work, I've never, I've never once filled out a resume ever oh wow you know so i've been doing this That's professionally for so cool <laughs> for, for over 15 years and yeah I've never once i don't even have a resume i had somebody <laughs> ask me for one and i just sent them a link to my website because i'm like you know you're either doing it or you're not yeah and I, i've never made a resume i do not have one um well, I think I mean I think that's such an important thing because you know especially when people are starting out in the business world or starting out in certain things there's those those items that you feel you need to have it needs to be this way it has to be this way but once again that's not necessarily how it works sometimes yeah like you can have your music speak for itself in a sense and certain things if you have a nice website if you have like I said all those videos it's it's not it's it's not always necessary to take the same path everybody takes every time yeah that's right and, and that was a lot of the advice that i would get from other people that seemed like practical advices mm-hmm. look what other people have done yeah and i've been like yeah but that's that's not going to work for me yeah right you know, i'm in a completely different setting and i'm i was born and raised in ohio i live like 10 minutes from where i was born and raised and i want to stay in ohio yeah i want to stay here um because I love the area. It's where I want my family to grow up. It's where I want my business to grow is is in Ohio. Even if that comes at the cost of sacrificing part of my career, you know, I love this area. And when you look at what so many other people did is they reached a certain level where they said, I, I need to go be somewhere else. I can't yeah. be here. And that's great. That's fine. Right. But it was like, for me, I knew that I didn't want to do that. And I said, I can be everywhere all the time anytime if i'm highly featured on the internet of course i do a lot of stuff on the internet definitely definitely and so uh you know i just started by today's standards started spamming my stuff you know (laughs) back then it was uh seen a little different but uh different forums you know forums for ballet music forums for film music forums for things as specific as indie created adventure games putting my stuff there and you know each one i'd link to a different set of music that was catered towards that audience and back then uh your search engine results would be ranked on your visibility and they would actually index forum posts yeah so you could probably even yet google my name and then go back to like 2006 and see things that i posted in 2005 2006 but it boosted my visibility uh for composer for media, yeah, and you know, I think I got a lot of traffic uh, to my music and website um, just from being so highly visible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's it. You can have the greatest product, but if you're screaming into a wall, what's what is it going to yeah, do? That's <laughs> so. right. And, and yeah, it started off as a lot of very small projects. Oh yeah, and, of course. You know, I I still do a lot of very small projects. Yeah, and I think that that's one thing that is a starting composer. You see these composers that just doing a-list things and it's like that's that's great there are some people that survive on that diet of only a-list massive huge budget things yeah the other 99 percent of us will maybe get one or two of those in a year or they'll get something big in a year and the rest of what we do is great uh projects that are very significant Mm -hmm. of course some pay good some don't 
you know, it's the whole gamut of big, small. Yeah. And, you, you know, you survive on all that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to kind of know your your kind of philosophy or kind of way of thinking when you start a project like when you when let's say for a movie or for a game or something when you say you know what we need some music for this i mean how how does the process go do you kind of come in and give them ideas do they give you kind of a pitch i mean i'm sure it's different for a lot of different projects but how do you kind of approach creating something from nothing Mm -hmm. yes so my approach is very simple and it's to not overthink it yeah and that's because I spent the first half of my career overthinking and mm-hmm. overanalyzing every aspect of the music. Yeah. And then I began to realize after a certain point that people were coming to me because they wanted a specific sound. Um, you know, they weren't coming to hire me because they wanted me to sound like John Williams. Right. They were coming to me because they wanted me to sound like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And For so sure. that's when I realized that I just need to trust my compositional instincts, which are something that I think every composer that is composing music regularly has. And I think that those instincts were like finely tuned and sharpened through years of training and through co- going to college. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's really kind of what helped form those instincts into something that I could kind of just utilize it at any notice yeah some comes and says i need two minutes of music you know i don't have to sit there and think oh no what am i gonna do you just <laughs> you sit down and you just go yeah just start um, doing it and sometimes it's it, it's really good yeah and then sometimes you'll do stuff that is really good but the client will say yeah no this is not this is <laughs> not, not quite it. what we're looking for <laughs> and uh i think that's just all part of the the process yeah and so for, for a game like, let's say for, for Epic Mickey, for example, uh, when you started this project, do they kind of give you like any level design or story beats or kind of, do they say, you know, we want this kind of feel? Like what, 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 what was kind of that process like? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a unique project in the sense that um, it was w- with a company that was directly tied to a Disney property. Yeah. So they won't give you anything. Yeah, yeah. And I understand why, because it's too much of a risk to give a contractor, for example, a build of the game. Yeah. Now, I'm working with Luke Bernard on a project now where they're like, yeah, here's the whole game. Just <laughs> yeah. play the whole thing. Go for it. <laughs> you know, here's everything. You know, if you want to even share some of the music that you're doing for this game that's not even announced, share it. You know, like, it's a lot different. Um, and for the game now, sorry to jump for a little bit, but is there any music when it started like any like little beats that they've done and then they say hey sean like bump it up a bit or something they they did use some of the since it's part of a franchise of epic mickey they were able to tap some of the original music from the original epic mickey game so i think there was that vernacular with the music that was already established yeah kind of the tone and that really helped they're like oh this is the agrabah level so it's from aladdin yeah you've heard of that film (laughs) you know so kind of give it that feel kind of give it that vibe yeah right um and so i think that helped a lot that there were i would say there was only a handful of pieces where they're like we don't exactly know what we want um you just have to come up with something yeah yeah yeah. but at that point this the score had been mostly done so it was kind of like as long as it's in this ballpark and utilizes the same tone and instrumentation we're gonna be we're gonna be good with where it lands. Yeah, uh, but you know it was like Peter Pan levels, Little Mermaid inspired levels, um, and some were like this is a 
remake of a level from the original game. So right. it needs to kind of reference that original music. Um, so a lot of it was thinking about how to put how to put the music together and how to make it best work with the whole experience and not how to come up with some grand idea that's over the whole score. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, how do you usually work when you create some of these compositions? Is it usually like you put all the time and effort into one kind of recording or do you do multiple uh, recordings and then share it with the client mm-hmm. that you're working with. So yeah, that's a good question. Contrary to what some people may think, I'm not like sitting at a piano with like a quill pen <laughs> and a candlelight, you know, like pulling my hair out. Oh no, that just dashed all of my imagination right there. Um, Fancy robes, everything. I like. Yeah, it. I'm usually in like shorts <laughs> and uh, a t-shirt. Uh, you know, and I'm sitting down at a, a, a MIDI controller mm-hmm. and basically it's all digital. So what I'm doing isn't even necessarily notes in the terms of traditional uh, notation. Mm-hmm. So the benefit of that is that I can go from concept or from thoughts to full production just very quickly. Yeah. And I'm only limited by my ability to uh, translate what's in my head to a digital media mm-hmm. Uh, the technology is the only interference between that. So I find that having a mastery over the tools Mm -hmm. and the technology enables me to go from concept to composition very quickly. Um, And so to answer your question, it's usually depends on the client, but I I like to give full ideas Mm -hmm. unless they specifically request like, we need this very particular motif, this very special theme I want to hear it as a piano sketch. Yeah. I usually just give them something that's that's fully done mm-hmm. because in 90% of the cases you're going to give them something that's fully done and they they're either going to like it or they're going to ask for some small changes. But at least at that point the discussion is how can we make this perfect and not where do we begin. Yeah. Whereas right. if you give them just a piano sketch most clients might say, well, that that's great, but how does this translate mm-hmm, into yeah. something that's like fully developed? Um, and usually the ones that ask for those know exactly what they're going for. Yep. Yeah, the reason why I'm asking is because I'm like I'm in in terms of my media creation, it's like uh, writing content. I know Adam writes a lot of content too, especially for IGN. But um, I'm I'm used to hearing the uh, ten. Is it, I think, 10-80-10 rule, where it's um, think about like 10% of your time as what are you going to do to create the concept, like working with the client, and then you do 80% of the work. So you create almost the whole thing, and then usually it's like a small 10% change after that to get it to completion. So that's really cool. And I think that's about right, even for me. Um, And even in those cases, I like to take the approach of where if any of my clients are watching, I'm sorry. I like to to fumble my way through the creative process, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that there are times where a client will say, I want the bigger picture. I want to write the theme song first. And I'm okay with doing that if I feel very comfortable. But I think more regularly, I find the strengths to the score or to to the core of the music as I'm working on it. Yeah, of course. You know, because I usually know where all the pieces are, and as I start to put it together, I I see what is that morsel. Yeah. And then that's usually, you know, when I'll say, this is what I think we can kind of exploit through the whole score. And you can tell right away. They're either going to latch onto that, or they're going to be like, I don't know. Not quite there. (laughs) And um, 
And I've had that happen where I've done a whole score a certain way that I think is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, a client just says, well, that's that's not what we were thinking. And that happens. And I think uh, the more you do it, you just say, okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you learn to say, this is my creativity. And this is the client. And I need to serve the, the client in the the product, the project first, the audience yeah. needs to come before my own ambitions mm-hmm. uh, as a composer. Yeah, yeah. No, somewhere in between is my livelihood. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. exactly. With it's kind of there somewhere. Yeah, and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> is it uh, is it my ego or is it the egos? That I'm <laughs> yeah. my kids. It's one one or the other. Oh man, how many kids do you have? I have five. Nice. That's Their awesome. ages nine. Nine, seven, five, three, and one. Gotcha! Oh, wow, that's so, so cool. Yeah, getting getting towards a chamber orchestra. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's probably your that's goal, so right? Cool. I like that. Brass I like to think that. Yeah, that's yeah. People awesome. say, "Oh, you're going for a basketball team." I say, "Yeah, both sides." Yeah, oh, there man. you go. <laughs> Home and away. Then yeah. I always win. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of uh, ten in my family, Sean. So <laughs> I awesome, used to be yeah. from a big family. <laughs> one of four. Okay. You have hey. nothing but good things from it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was crazy growing up, but yeah, it was so much fun. There's uh, six girls, four boys in the family, so I'm the oldest boy, but yeah, I mean, as you can imagine, oh, family well, get-togethers are crazy. because you you're at the, the, front of the, <laughs> the front of the line, right? That's right. <laughs> Leader, Jason. Yeah. A lot of people say that they're so surprised how well I turned out with five older sisters, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> Just take it as a compliment and nod. That's right. That's what I usually do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that's, that's great. great. So I, I'm curious, Sean. I'd I'd love to know more about your um your setup that you have because you before we started the recording, you said you actually have a cabin mm-hmm. on Which your is property. Cool. That, yeah, you set up your recording <laughs> the studio cabin in the woods. So like, what's the <laughs> what, what's the setup like? I mean, do you use like a MacBook to do all the digital mm-hmm. recording? Uh, do you have like a keyboard in there? What are some of the main instruments you use when you do that kind of work? Right. Yeah. So I am a PC guy. I know mm-hmm. that's going to enrage a large <laughs> oh portion my of the God. Um, Shut it down. <laughs> I, I am platform agnostic. Like I've used Macs. I've used PCs. Uh, in in the line of work that I do, the name mm-hmm. of the game is how much RAM can you get? Yeah. And how much streaming disk speed you can get? Mm-hmm. And so with Macs, you can get all of that. It's just prohibitively expensive. That's yeah. very true. Um, especially yeah. because I have three workstations that each have 128 gigabytes of RAM. Wow. Each of them have uh, solid state PCI cards. One has an M2 drive in it. Mm-hmm. So imagine trying to stick that into a, say, for example, Mac Pro. Yep. You're at like 10 grand. Oh, easy. That's right. <laughs> you know, so easy. Um, really, for me, I, it's about just having PCs and if you have redundancies. So I have mm-hmm. duplicate PCs. Yeah. So if one goes down, you're able to just jump I have another one yeah. and I buy my PCs from uh, someone local, Jim Roseberry from Studio Cat. Shout out to Jim. Sweet. What's up, Jim? He does, he does great work uh, building PCs, also a composer, yeah. musician. We'll have to get him himself. on the show, Jason. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he builds uh, studio workstation PCs for composers all over the world. That's, That's awesome. So cool. Yeah, I built a, a Hackintosh, actually. Mm-hmm. So I have like a full, like massive, I don't think I told you about it, Adam. I've got this massive like gaming PC tower that I built. <laughs> I think I don't have as much RAM as you. I think I've got like 64 gigs. Oh, what a loser. Yeah, it's, uh, like four solid state drives in there, I think. <laughs> uh, so cool. But I'm, yeah, I built a Hackintosh. I love it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, Sean. No, no, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you know what it's like trying to get all the streaming 
framing drives in a, yep. like a Mac Pro or the yep. one that's like a trash can. You end up having yeah. multiple external drives and, uh, you know, these are all liquid cooled and yep. uh, they're all networked together. So they're on a switch mm -hmm. and I distribute the load of everything that I have loaded and they're all to the brim. So I, the 2019 is probably going to be the year I buy another PC or two. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I'm... I, they're fully loaded, and my, my CPUs are running at like 70%. Man, that's um, crazy. <laughs> and so they're all networked together in a separate room that's like away from where I work. And so everything is over Ethernet. My audio is over Ethernet. My video is over Ethernet. Um, except for my, my USB devices, which it's very difficult to be able to have USB stuff that's over 50 feet. Yeah. Which yeah, I didn't right. realize until I started buying like all these extenders oh, and yeah. you have to have boosters. And oh, jeez. But, um, crazy. But yeah, so I, I work, um, in a, a piece of software called Nuendo by Steinberg. Mm -hmm. And so they also make Cubase and they're, the products are very much similar now. Um, the only difference being that Nuendo can do stuff in Ambisonic and can do a lot. It's more designed towards sound design and post audio work, which I'm doing a lot more of with Google than Cubase, which is really designed just for composition and scoring. Um, and so I just sit down at a controller and everything is loaded usually into a template. So mm -hmm. like I've already gone through the work of loading up all the instruments you know, the meat and potatoes of what I need for a project is already loaded. So it's kind of like an artist already having the paints picked out, already having the canvas ready to yeah. go. Yeah. And when yeah. someone's like, oh, I want you to paint my, my portrait, you already know everything you're going to need. You just step up and, and yeah. go. Nice. Um, and so basically, I'm just punching in this little keyboard, a piano. Mm -hmm. It's no speakers. So the only sound that it makes is coming through the so generated by the software. Yeah. And to, to the person that doesn't know, it creates a, a sequence, which is just, it almost looks like Morse code, or not Morse code, Braille. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Dots, dots and lines and, lines and, and dots stuff. and lines. And, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just putting together these big pieces, you know, kind of layering things. And I have, and I mentioned this earlier about using the technology. The only barrier is how quick I can put it in. Mm -hmm. And so they're... Are, there are a lot of composers because they may not have th the same tools that will have to play things, you know, they'll use a mouse to click in the notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they'll have to draw all these controllers that kind of change and morph the sound. So like, a, for example, a flute player, you can change, you know, things like the pitch, the mm -hmm. volume, the dynamics, the vibrato, um, even like the intonation of their pitch. If you can just modulate it or alter it slightly, it can sound much more lifelike which is really the goal not because i don't like real flute players but because you know i live 90 minutes away <laughs> yeah, to really. get a flute player in my studio when i need to do a piece of music in a day is not only impossible from a budget perspective but from a time perspective it's impossible yeah, yeah. and so often the bigger the clients you work with um it becomes more of a legal issue right because that you need to own everything that's done by everyone, unless you're working with uh, specific union kinds of contracts and mm -hmm. recordings. And um, so, yeah, I have a breath controller that I breathe into that simulates the way a player will play. I have a lot of different faders, just like on a mixer, that are designed to change the way the sound is. 
and then I have two pedals I use my feet, which are like guitar pedals. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I'm just kind of like this as I'm playing. <laughs> Going all over the place. All four, like all four of my limbs are actually moving. <laughs> That's crazy. And then my mouth is blowing, and then it has a bite controller. So like I can bite on it Oh yeah. Uh, in two different spots to change what it does. So I can load up a violin sound and go from one very particular violin sound to something completely different all in real time. So some people will have to play it in, change something, click the mouse, draw some stuff in. I can just do it in real time. So That's it's so cool. uh, really cutting down about 10 steps into just doing it all in real time. Well, Sean, one of the questions I really am curious to know more about, uh, do you have like a YouTube video where you walk through your composition creation process? Because I would be so Or interested. even your studio. Yeah, even your cool studio. To, it's just always cool to see this kind of stuff. Because <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah, my studio not so much because I live I live kind of in the middle of nowhere and yeah, I yeah. really like to be off the grid. <laughs> I, um, I appreciate that. I, I understand that. that for sure. <laughs> you know, mostly as well because my studio is like at my house. So yep. if it were a separate like business location, I think I would be much more like open to having that. But I'm like, since my kids are like usually riding bikes up and down the sidewalk to my studio and stuff like that, I like to just be completely isolated. But I do have videos of me doing compositions in real time awesome. uh, not not any uh ones that i've done lately just because mm-hmm. so many of the projects i'm doing now are so tightly under wraps yeah i can't really showcase anything um but i've been in the process of setting up a live stream of me doing more composing and also playing some really obscure retro games that's nice awesome. as well that. um, that's really cool and so yeah I, there's going to be more of that coming as soon as I get some or any any free time, one of those. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. If you find some, let me know how you got that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. But That's... I do, I do have some, and some of them are that I've been given uh, a task from a client to compose a specific piece, and then some of them are just like I don't know what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna draw something from a hat, or somebody's going to give me uh, give me some kind of a prompt to yeah. compose for. Uh, and I also do that when I go and give talks locally. It uh, different events or conventions, I'll compose something in real time, and I, I give myself an hour and say I'm going to compose a 60 second piece of music in whatever style that I can pull from the audience, and yeah, yeah it's a lot that's of fun. Really cool, wow, that's awesome. And, and so, how many instruments can you actually play like physically? Like, is there is a big list, or is it mostly a lot of the stuff that you're doing kind of digitally? How many can I play, or how many can I play well? <laughs> how many can you play well? No. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm always trying to utilize live elements into my music all of the time. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just my voice or my wife's voice because she's got a very beautiful voice. Yeah. Um, and other times it's it's things like guitar, which I can barely play. Yeah. But the secret is is that you can tune a guitar however you want to. True, true. And then with the use of technology, you can edit and manipulate the audio any way you want to. Um, so if we're going by that metric, it's like a thousand instruments I play. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, you know, but that's like a recorder or some kind of a flute. I can play just enough to get a handful of notes out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. what you need. But the tools are so powerful. I can change the notes. I can change the way that it's it's played back. Um, so really, I'm just limited by my own tenacity mm-hmm. to try to to do something. Um, 
Yeah, and I do a lot of that's it. crazy. Yeah, that's really awesome. I know <laughs> you so and cool. you mentioned I think earlier about that you are, have been doing some work with like making concerts or things like that. Is that is that something that you've been working on? I just have some concert works as well. Oh, so, gotcha. So music that's not just for media consumption, yeah. but also stuff that's for the art of music. Nice. Uh, I've done some of that as well, uh, too. So I had a ballet that I did with um, ballet met here in Columbus with yeah. with dance tech. It might have been like 2012 or 2013 where it was music and technology and it was a collaboration with uh, Ballet Met of Columbus and Alan Price of uh, Ohio State who did a lot with the motion capture and it was Mm -hmm. dynamic music. So kind of taking some of the same elements of a video game score and doing dynamic procedurally generated music. So a dancer, you know, moves an arm and it does something different in the music. Oh, nice. Nice, Um, nice. Yeah, so I'm not limited to just doing, uh, for example, secular commercial music, right? Yeah. So I even mm-hmm. dabble in doing sacred music because I play organ and play piano and I'm, and I'm a choir director. So oh, nice. I'm wow. kind of spread out <laughs> I love into it. a little bit of everything. Yeah. That's super cool. I just That's love really that, that cool. kind of yeah, being in a little bit of everything. That That is awesome. And, you know, and one thing that I uh, did want to ask you, too, is that, you know, a lot of people hear about, you know, writer's block. I mean, if you had composer's block or if you had certain things like that where you're just working on a project and it just feels like you're hitting your head against the wall and what are kind of some ways that you may have overcome that if that's been kind of a case yeah so writer's block i wouldn't say is something i've struggled with in particular but i think what i've struggled with is more of like a a personality block yeah probably the better way to explain it where you're just like I don't feel good about myself today. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right? So you want to sit down and be creative and pour yourself out. But unless you're feeling great about yourself or you're feeling anxious about a project, I think that's more of the block that I experience and not I don't know what to do creatively. Um, And the way I've found to overcome that is I put a gym in the other half of my studio. And that's in the cabin? In the cabin. Nice. Yeah. So it's like half studio. Half man cave. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, Everyone get a cabin. <laughs> and so I've, I've found that usually that's brought on by thinking too much about what I'm doing or letting external influences kind of drag me down. Yeah. But it's really hard to feel bad about yourself or to feel unmotivated or down. It's like when, you, when you're in the gym, either uh, doing cardio or you're lifting weights for an hour. Yeah. It's a lot easier to come back and sit down and say, okay, now I can do this. Yeah, because yeah. when you're like, I don't, I can't do anything today. I just don't, I don't have this confidence or I don't feel good. You make yourself get up and do something. Go to the gym, right? That's the last thing you want to do. But if you make yourself get up and do that, um, and, you know, I do that coupled with, uh, you know, prayer. And that just helps me kind of just focus about what I'm doing is not just about, it's not about me at that mm-hmm. point, right? It's about just doing kind of what needs to be done. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and that. you know, to kind of take that to another level, do you have any specific, specific examples of certain failures in your career? Because we like, you know, bringing up some of the things that may not have been so successful and how you overcome them. Because I, we truly believe, as we say pretty much every episode, Jason, is that yeah. sometimes those lessons are sometimes the most valuable, even if they hurt a lot when they were happening. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I have I have many as many failures, probably many more significant failures than what I do achievements. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Of course, I don't talk about those. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I can't put those on my website, but you know, I, I pitched. It's very common. failures.com I can see it right now. <laughs> um, the thing is, is I've I've pitched for a lot of very large projects, right? And I'm pitching against people. In some cases, I've pitched against people that it's like I was 15 years old and listen to your music. Yeah. You inspired me to do what I'm doing. <laughs> and now I'm pitching against you. And I've lost those pitches because it was coming down to them hiring that person if they had the money or me being number two. Yeah. And this particular person, I've lost three pitches against this other composer. Yeah. They don't know. Right. And they will never know because I will never tell them because <laughs> it, it's embarrassing. But the thing is, is that you have a lot of those. And I think I've probably lost, and I, you can't even say lost, because I think being yeah. even considered for the pitch. It's, it's mm-hmm. a great accomplishment. Right? When you lose to the best. Yeah. It's not really, yeah. It's not really a loss. Yeah. Um, well, we were actually, we had a, a guest on before you were here who was talking about how it was a big shake. And he's, he was on Shark Tank. He, you know does chicken fried chicken and fish mm-hmm. and this the shrimp burgers and all this stuff and he went on shark tank and he talked about how when he went on the show he didn't get picked for yeah. like they didn't give him a deal they didn't give him anything but following you know a few weeks after investors started calling him people started happening yeah. things started happening so yeah it's it's all he ended up getting a, a better deal yeah, really. outside <laughs> of shark tank so, than yeah, what I, he was I just think that's for. such a good point that you know even if you are you know you don't quite make it if you get to a certain level, that really is an accomplishment in itself in certain mm-hmm. in certain senses. Yeah. yeah, and I've had dozens of, of pit, prop, I kind of lost track after about like 30. Yeah. That <laughs> I've done, and this, this is, you know, I remember doing some of these. I was pitching for a very large game uh, that has had multiple sequels, yeah. made, sold tens of millions of copies. I pitched for this back when I was 20, not even 21. Wow. I pitched for it, and... You know, that was the first big one I lost. And I thought, man, this is just, this is going to just be the end of my career. Yeah. Because I just can't land these. And it's like, no, I'm glad I didn't win that. I was not ready to take that on at that time. The experience that forced me to write that kind of music opened me up to new avenues of work and Mm -hmm. different opportunities. But I was not ready to win that at that time. Yeah. And you, you have that. And I think for every one of those that I've lost, what I've gained is now I have people that just come to me that you don't even pitch. They just say, I want to hire you, right? Let's work out the details. Yeah. And those, I didn't have those 15 years ago. Yeah, right. I didn't have those 10 years ago. Right. But now that's the trade-off. And so I think it's really easy if you're starting off being a composer, you get on Facebook you get on uh, Twitter or different websites and you just see these composers like, I work on this and this and this and this and this and this and here's my achievement list. And again, it's like there are those people that just stay that busy. But even some of those people that are that your A-list composers, mm-hmm. they're not always as busy as what you think they are, firstly. And secondly, for every big project they're doing, there's a slew of s- smaller, uh, not A-list projects that they're doing that are just as good the, you know, the difference is, is they don't have a $50 million advertising budget. Right. Uh, but the people on those teams are just as good at what they do, just as hardworking. The project mm-hmm. has just as much of an impact with the gamer. The audience isn't as big, but it still is uh, important. You know, or at least that's the mindset that I like to take. Yeah, yeah. I hear not, you. Not everybody can score the next uh, Elder Scrolls game. There's <laughs> right. only one person. And if it's uh, not going to be, you know, whoever probably going to be somebody else yeah Mm -hmm. definitely 
And what what does kind of like a pitch look like? I mean, is it kind of, you know, an audition where they give you kind of an example and you make something? Is it more based on past work? What is what does a typical pitch look like when you're trying to get one of these projects? It can look on the on the best side of it. The best pitches I've worked on, they say it's you and two other people. They're very upfront about it. We're going to pay you for your time and they they'll pay you well competitively for your time. Yeah. Just give us whatever you think this could sound like. Got it. You're like, okay. You're you're hiring, you're paying me to pitch to you what I think will work best. Mm-hmm. You feel good about it. Usually they feel good about it because they're getting something that's original. Um, on the other side of it, you have things that are like cattle calls. Yeah. I've been involved in a lot of these. We want you to pitch music for this. Okay. We're not going to pay you. We need five minutes of music or three days of work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you come to find out that you and a hundred other people have pitched for that. <laughs> and I, you know, that's, that's crazy. That's okay too. I think there's a place for that yeah, in the, nice. in the uh, entertainment industry. And that's like really high scale pitches that you're talking. If you, if you lay on those, you're talking about a piece of music, tens of thousands of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Just huge amounts of money for a small amount of work. Uh, but when game developers do this, you're just a number. You know, they're not looking for what can you bring creatively to this project. They're like, we want to find the person who's already perfect and has already written what we what we think we want. Mm. So it's different. Um, it's a different. It's much less of a collaborative process and much more of a. I don't even know how to explain it. You know, it, it feels very demeaning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they usually try to obscure that from you as a composer. Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to know that Realize kind of... Realize the true uh, story. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a more purely transactional than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. And, you know, there's... When I know it's a cattle call now, I tend to not even do them. Yeah. So I'm like, me. if you're going to start off the relationship that way... Yeah. How's it going to continue <laughs> down the road? No, that's... Yeah, it's nice. And, that, and once again, I think that's to your benefit of being in so many different industries in so many areas, you're able to see kind of how different things are, are produced and being done. So, and once that, you get to a certain level, Sean, you're, you can be very selective too about mm-hmm. the projects that you choose to pitch for and that kind of thing. At least that's what my impression would be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Cause you know, like I'm, I'm just like thinking through like if I were in your position, I would, cause there's projects that I do like for writing uh, when I pitch a piece of content or something. And it's like the same thing. It's cattle calls where they're like, Hey, you know, we don't want to pay you. Well, we've got this amazing project we want you to work on, but by the way, you're not going to be paid for it. And like you said, it's mm-hmm. in some cases it's a week or two weeks Crazy. where you have to put in to create it. And you're like, um, should I really do this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm really curious, Sean, do you have any like um, composers that you specifically look up to that you're like, wow, I'd, I'd like to get to their level at some, you know, at some point in my career. Um, or is there any ones that you just like, wow, I love listening to, mm-hmm. you know, their compositions? Oh, I mean, I think there's tons of composers that I, mm-hmm. that I've loved certain things that they've done with certain scores. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Grant, Grant Kirkhope is a composer that I've always really I don't loved know. his Banjo music. Kazooie. Banjo Kazooie. He was at the GDEX a couple years <laughs> he back. He was. Oh, see, if I was there, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, Grant is and, awesome. Uh, Grant, you know, I've always really liked his music, and he did a, a score for the game Kingdoms of Amalur, mm. which was a game that I really liked and thought the music was yeah. great. It was like 
creepy light fantasy mm-hmm. look it up i think you would really yeah, like sure, it's yeah. a great score yeah i love um, fantasy music very really, underappreciated game too i really loved a lot of the stuff he's done mm-hmm. um tom salta has done a lot of great stuff uh that i've liked and i like his mostly because he incorporates a lot of uh electronic elements into his orchestral scores yeah and the mixes are just so superb yeah like the music on its own is just so big and rich and the list goes on and on mostly of game like my favorite games was set you know of mm-hmm. course bioshock is a great score yeah. Yeah. um a lot of what jeremy soul has done is fantastic uh, mm-hmm. chance thomas has had some phenomenal scores for lord of the rings games um austin winter he's had great scores oh, yeah. uh in terms of classic games the game strider right for, by capcom arcade i don't think Sega I've Genesis. Played that. Super fantastic oh, score yeah. Castlevania Bloodlines, I think, is oh, one, yeah. of, one of my favorite <laughs> scores as well. Uh, Kid Chameleon, I've really been digging that score <laughs> nice, lately. Nice. On one hand, I want there to be a remake of the game, <laughs> but I just don't think they should. <laughs> um, Some things are better left in the past. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of like looking up to a composer to say, I, I want to be that, mm-hmm. I think I probably did that the first half of my career, yeah. maybe even longer. And it really brought me... Um, I don't want to say unhappiness, but it brought not just jealousy, but it brought envy. Because yeah. jealousy is saying, I want this. I want this. Envy saying, I don't think you should have that. I think I deserve that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I, I found myself being like, I don't want to say confrontational, but just almost having bitterness towards people that have done nothing wrong to me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I deserve oh, something. Yeah. And the reality is, is maybe you or you or you, maybe you do deserve something, but that's just not the way it always works, Yeah. right? Maybe you de- should be able to do the next huge A-list game, mm-hmm. but that's not the way that it worked out. Um, and so, you know, I've just come to realize that life presents different opportunities. Some people deserve those, some earn them, some don't, but that doesn't matter, yeah. right? That's not the path that I'm on. That's not my life, and just being happy and content with what I work on, whether it's something huge or something small or something that you can quantify as being successful because it pays well or something that pays you nothing but's important to you as a person. Yeah, that's right. Don't try to quantify what you have versus what other people have. Yeah. There's, yeah. You can't. And I, I think I think I, I think you said this on the show, or it was before we recorded. But you mentioned something about how you know when people are hiring you, they're hiring you, like they're mm-hmm. hiring you as for what you've done and what you have become. And you know, I've learned that lesson a lot too. Is that if you spend all your time like worrying about other people and what other people have done and where they are, like that you're wasting the time that you could be spent on yourself and getting where you need mm-hmm. to go. It's just like it's really a waste of time because there's you can't control what they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you can Absolutely. control what you do. You can control how you handle yourself, handle your everyday. And, you know, like I said, you win some, you lose some. But if you stay true to yourself and focus on yourself, that's how you're going to find your successes, not by saying just sitting in a corner and being like, man, I can't believe yeah. that guy got that. <laughs> it's just, and you'll, you'll never be those people that you yeah, are right. trying to be. <laughs> yeah. So it's like using them as, as examples and learning opportunities to apply, you know, yeah. those different things to your own situation. Right. I think I've, we've talked about that on the show before, yeah. Adam. It's like you got to be authentic to who you are. 
and look at other people's track record, their path as, you know, just things that you possibly might be able to apply to your situation and learn from it. But yeah, at the end of the day, you've got to walk your own path. So yeah, yeah and learning to be happy for other people has been yeah. a big part of that is that you just have to be glad that there's other people that can succeed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's true. room for yeah. more than one success. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very true. I think as a, a media composer, there's always this push towards getting bigger. Yeah. Bigger. Get some assistance. Oh, yeah. Buy a big studio. Oh, change your company name. Do something huge. You need to be huge. If you don't have people working under you, you're not big. Yeah. If you're not doing this, you're not big. If you're not, after a while, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. It's too much, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. I can't be on Facebook scrolling through looking at what people, oh, I didn't win this award. I'm, oh. you know. That's a dark hole to go down. It's, it tell is. You what, man. And for me, I'm just like, I, I do what I love. My name is on it. And I can take care of my family. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And if Super I can awesome. do those things, that's really where I need to keep my focus. Yeah. yeah. Is just pro- being a provider and uh, the fact that I get to create. Yeah. Is oh, yeah. That alone. And if that can't bring you joy, then, you know, maybe you need to reevaluate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Priorities. That's and that's cool. just me. I mean, there's some people that flourish doing what I just said didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the like thing is, everyone's say, their own person. I say, yeah. good for them. Yeah. Hire me, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'll work for you. Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> but I think a lot of it was just uh, becoming comfortable with myself and. And there's a lot of composers that I look up to because they, I think their their personalities and their moral characters, mm-hmm. I think, are upstanding. And yeah. I've learned to respect that just as much as the music because mm-hmm. uh, there's a million composers. And there's a million that are far better than me, and there's millions that are that maybe aren't as good as me. But what I think is important is just kind of knowing the people as much as the music. Yeah. For sure. Super awesome. And, you know, we're, we're getting close to the end of the show. And uh, one thing that we always like to kind of ask, you know, especially for you in your case, I know a lot of the stuff you can't really talk about quite yet, but are there any, you know, upcoming projects that people should look out for from you? And also, where do you kind of see Sean Beeson in five years? Like, where, where are you trying? What's the next next goal that you kind of have on that on that wall that you're really trying to to get to in your career? I don't have any. <laughs> I used to have goals. Yeah. And they were and it was just kind of that metric that I said like I used to say I need to work on this many projects or make this much money or have this or have that. Yeah. And now I'm just like I just am gonna be doing it. Yeah. I love it. You that. know? I, I mean it's great. uh it's not a career, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And it's I think especially with being in a creative field of any kind, you have to be in it for like the long run. Yeah. yeah. For the what right am I gonna reasons. be doing? I hope I'm gonna be still be doing this yeah and be doing big pro you know big projects that are fulfilling and help me uh support my family and business yeah uh who knows the the things i'm working on right now that i can't even that i can't talk about because they're not announced yeah are things that i never would have envisioned even two years ago that i would be doing yeah but the fact that i don't say this is what i need to be doing i don't have my blinders on right Mm -hmm. I say I'll do anything. Yeah, you're just doing it. No, it's, I think and, uh, that's that's just as valuable. <laughs> it's yeah. true. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to be doing more of what I'm doing now. I love it. Um, and you know I'm spread out so far. It could be anything. Yeah. And then, uh, 
I don't remember the other question. <laughs> yeah, was do you, is there any like oh, yeah. any upcoming projects that maybe people can look forward to from you that you can speak about? There's uh, some documentaries and a pretty big MMORPG that is that's coming out. Nice. Um, and a lot of fun things with Google. I can't really say any of that yet. Yes. You just never know how that all turns out. So Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to have you on once again to yeah. talk about some more we'll fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> give an update. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sean, no, we, we truly appreciate you coming along for this this journey with us and sharing a little bit of your story. Um, we do always want to ask, you know, what what are the best ways for people to get connected with you? To If, you know, if they have further questions or they want to find out more of your work or they want to just learn more about Sean, what are the best ways to connect with you and see more of what you've created over these past years? Yeah, so I think just emailing emailing me directly. I yeah. have a web a website. It's seanbeeson.com. So S E A N B E E S O N, like a bee buzzing. dot <laughs> um, com is my website, uh, and then you can reach me at seanbeeson at seanbeeson.com or Facebook or Twitter. Actually, not Facebook because there's other Sean Beesons who are also composers oh, really? and musicians. Oh, wow. Don't confuse them with me. Do you know any of them? I do. I do. We're all friends. <laughs> and um, Sean Beeson, I love Shout out to the other Sean Beeson <laughs> from Colorado, who's a bass player. Hey. Um, sometimes people are like, "I didn't know you played bass." And um, in the either. past, I've always been like, "I, I don't." Now, <laughs> I always jokingly tell my wife I should just own it and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, for I, sure, I, I do. own it, man." And then there, I think there's a Sean Beeson in. Uh, Maybe in Tokyo that does uh, EDM. Oh, People nice. are like, oh, I didn't know you did dance music. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> sure do. We're it. just all the same person, really. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> kind of like that movie with the guy with split personalities. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like hilarious. it. Own it. It's good. <laughs> but yeah, my website is the best way or email. You know, just email me. Um, sometimes it takes me a couple days to get back, but yeah. I personally respond to every email that's awesome that's awesome so cool well sean once again it's been a pleasure we really appreciate it and you know one thing what like the last question we usually like to ask is do you have anything to say to and i know you've said a lot of it but it's up and coming composers or people that may be on the same path as you do you have any final message for anybody out there who's trying to get to a level where you're at how much time do i have <laughs> 16 hours <laughs> i do i do i have what i call my p's right mm. so it's patience takes a long time to build a career yeah mm -hmm. there are people that become hits overnight chances are you are not one of them <laughs> that's yeah. okay there's yeah, nothing wrong with patience practice so you mm -hmm. have to constantly practice your craft if you do not have projects to compose music for make them up very smart so patience practice persistence so you gotta be persistent do mm -hmm. not give up when you fail because you will fail and do not let that define your career uh, PR, right? Publicity. Do your own publicity because guess what? No one else will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless you are in that 1% where people love you or you're going to pay your publicity agent multiple thousands of dollars every month, no one cares about what you do unless you talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the fifth one is uh, personal finances. I've seen so many people that say, oh, I'm ready. I'm going to go to Los Angeles. Doo -doo -doo -doo. <laughs> and then they run out of money. Yep. yep. That's a part of the learning experience. I have done something somewhat similar to that myself. Um, but personal finances is important because if you cannot manage finances, good luck trying to manage a business and a career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You will fail. And then for some people, you know, this is one that works for me is prayer, mm -hmm. right? To, or meditation or be reflective. It's just like prayer because it's, it's for me and it's a P. 
so it fits <laughs> into right. the P system. <laughs> but I think it's good to center yourself. Mm-hmm. No matter how you do that, find a way to center yourself um, so that, and by doing so, you'll realize that not everything is about you and what you do. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, and that takes years. Yeah. And, and constant work, right? Like you, it's never, with all those P's, it's never like, well, I've done these five things and now I'm done. You know, it's, you constantly have to do those. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Forever. Those are awesome. I love that, <laughs> yeah, how you packaged cool. it up. That's so cool. And <laughs> copyrighted. Copyrighted. Yeah, and if, sure. if I can add one more to the P list, it would be Piano Relaxation Theme by Sean Beats on YouTube. Check them out. Paps, the blue Paps. ribbon. Yes. <laughs> there we go. I love it, man. Well, Sean, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, We Sean. look forward to having you back on in the future. And yeah, once again, just thanks for, for being there and just being open and sharing your, a little bit about your journey. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, guys, we will see you next time. You know, I feel like we could have done a whole episode on the peas. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why didn't he say that sooner? I know, really. Like, right at the end, he's going to tease us and make put all that good content out there. We just have to say, all right, get out of our studio. We, we don't want you anymore. Just kidding. We love you. Yeah, I mean, I, I was like, what the heck? This is so, like, <laughs> we literally really could unpack what he just shared for an entire well, show. Well, like I said, next time we'll have him back on for the Google Stadia. Eh? Oh, eh? yeah, And for the sure. five Ps. And, uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be a good conversation. Yeah, and I really it, enjoyed it. I mean, he shared. I love hearing those perspectives of things that I really don't know pretty much anything about yeah i mean he shared like an insight into that whole world of composition and even like sound that i was like what the heck this is so cool no i mean that's what that's what i love about you know what we do at grow like a pro is that Mm -hmm. we're not just focused on one separate industry like we like to hear from all different backgrounds and people are doing all different kinds of things because you may not interact with a composer on your every everyday life but they have a lot of lessons that really will help anybody in business that will help anyone trying to reach their goals and do their dreams and i think it's super valuable to get those different perspectives and get those different viewpoints because you may be following someone who you know has a path to success in your industry and stuff like that but there's no really roadmap to success i mean there's there's people that can help you along the way there's friends and family and guides and all that stuff but it's all about those experiences and how you handle those experiences and adversity and and how you handle any challenge that comes in your way and it's I'd say get as much le- as much knowledge as you can so you can handle anything that comes your way. Yeah, I mean, it's really learning from people like Sean and other people we've had on our guests. And, even and me, other, of course. You know, of course. And other <laughs> shows and podcasts and, and that kind of thing. Any kind of learning content, it immediately, like reduces the learning curve for what you're trying to do yeah, like being an entrepreneur business owner uh, learning from other people yeah it might not work for your particular situation but it allows you to kind of retrofit a solution that would work for your oh, situation i have the best comparison which i feel like we need to do in a podcast episode about is our you know jason and i were on a uh refueling mission with the air national guard last week we got invited chris borja past guest an incredible guy invited us to come along and we got to you know go on a refueling mission to to vermont where we refueled two f-16 fighter jets it It was was so cool insane so like i said i think we should probably maybe next week or we should do like a little off-topic episode about that experience Mm because that was something crazy but what i liked but what really stuck with me is these guys do these refueling missions like all the time Right. Yep. They do them every day. I mean, not every day, but like a, once a week, once every couple of weeks, over and over. Re- re- repetition, repetition, repeat. So when it's time for battle and it's time for war, they know what to do. 
Yep. Like that's how that's it right. works. Like you got to practice everything. You got to listen. You have to learn. Keep your mind open. Understand all the challenges and the things that could go wrong. And once you are finally presented with that challenge and you have the knowledge of what you've learned in the past, it makes it that much easier to jump over it or get yeah, through it. That's right. And it just it just stuck with me so much because it's like, yeah, why do these people do this all the time? And it's like, yeah, because once it's war, it's real. And yep, <laughs> you know, there's there's right. very little error for mistake. Yeah, it it was an incredible experience too. And I'm sure you know when we do the episode, Adam will talk a little bit more about it but it was the uh, ESGR uh, program that the the National Guard has and really what that is in simple terms is it's equipping people like you that are entrepreneurs and leaders uh, to hire you know veterans people in the, the National Guard the Air National Guard uh, because they are really really good at what they do in terms of their skills Unbelievable. and they can help you guys talk about leaders your, yeah I mean, talk about le- if you want leaders for your company as employees as team members as leaders you definitely should check out esgr to find like employees if you're hiring definitely recommend obviously you know it's, it is tough when employees have to leave if they get deployed i mean there, yep. there's there's no there's no way around that but you're getting someone who is dedicated who understands leadership working under pressure and stress and yeah it's uh well if you're it's, it's unbelievable if you're serious about giving back and you know supporting yeah. the country you live in i think promoting that is something that a lot of people would like to see yeah, especially very inspiring. you know your ideal customer they Definitely. might want to know hey you know so and so on our team is a veteran they went off on a mission you might not be able to talk about it but you can t- uh, talk about how you support people you support the community and you support you know the country that you live in yeah really awesome it is so yeah <laughs> i'm sorry to open yeah. that Charles. <laughs> i was kind of like sean with the five p's at the end like yep, oh my yep. god you did what but, yeah, we'll talk about exactly. it stay tuned well but no it's uh <laughs> Sean, we just want to thank you so much for your valuable tips and lessons and story. And once again, I, he's definitely one of the guests that we want to have back to talk mm-hmm. more. And there's, I feel like there's so many more stories and things we can learn from him. And yeah, it's uh, go check out his music because he's yeah, quite for good. Sure. Um, but I do want to remind people, if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to be on the show, if you want to ask questions for our guests, please send an email to hello at growlikeaproshow.com. Once again, that is hello at growlikeaproshow.com. And we are a weekly show and we go live every Thursday at 6 a.m. Well, you know, not live, but posted. Yeah, one day we'll get released. Yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, every Thursday at six at 6 a.m. And we just love talking to incredible people and learning and hopefully helping you grow and find the success you need. And uh, before we go, I'll pass it over to Jason to talk about our sponsor. Our premium sponsor, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) for this episode is Genesis Marketing Group. And Genesis really likes to come alongside business owners, entrepreneurs just like you and really create a customized marketing plan to help your business grow. So, you know, they are experts in doing website development, design, uh, graphic design, uh, creating e-commerce platforms, all that kind of thing, even doing lead gen for your business. So they do a really good job at pay-per-click advertising. So definitely have a conversation with them. You can uh, connect with them at genesismarketinggroup.com, and that's Genesis with a J. Uh, They'd love to have the conversation to help you guys grow and ultimately achieve the goals that you have for your business. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Well, once again, Sean, thank you, Jason. Thank you, all of you listeners and watchers out there. We couldn't thank you enough. And we can't wait to come back next week with another incredible guest and more growth tips to help you grow like a pro. And uh, until next time, hope you have a great day and a night. And we will see you next week. 